Hello, everybody. Sean Sewell, Gamut.com podcast. Thanks for tuning in again. Got a really fun episode today because I got my good friend Will Coleman back in the Gamut studio. Will was on one of our very first shows, and he's an absolutely fascinating human being. Uh, it was about two months and two weeks ago he was on the show last, and since then he's been up to just a few things. <laughs> uh, Mount Rainier, um, heart surgeries, uh, just a ton of stuff. So we're going to let this episode just flow the way it's going to flow. So, Will, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, buddy. So, the last time we spoke was July. Uh, you were preparing for a big trip to Mount Rainier with your buddies Dave and Brian. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went out there. Um, what was your objective? So, our objective was Liberty Ridge, but if anyone follows Rainier, they probably heard a lot of the accident reports this year and... The snowpack out there wasn't as good as it was in previous years, and the ridge fell apart quite a bit sooner than they expected, killing uh, at least one and injuring several others, having several rescues on the ridge. Uh, we walked into the ranger station, and they basically just told us, hell no. Wow. Yeah, I think so. So we had our plan B was the Couts Glacier route. Um, so basically we drove straight through the night from Colorado to Mount Rainier National Park. Took us about 18 or 19 hours in the van, the three of us taking turns driving. We got there, um, didn't get there in time to get a permit <laughs> to do. <laughs> so it, they close at 4.30, and I think we rolled in the parking lot at 4.45, so we couldn't get a permit for the next day. So that put our trip back one day. So we decided that we were just going to try and do it pretty quickly, but conservatively. I had never been on the mountain. Dave and Brian had previously been on the mountain uh, via several routes. And so we knew we had a pretty good success rate just to blitz it as a, you know, overnight deal. So we decided to get a permit, just kind of hang out in the park the next day, pack, reorganize the van. because Three people stuff in a small van doesn't work very well. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we camped that night. Next morning we woke up and got a leisurely, leisurely alpine start super late. I think it was like nine o'clock in the morning or so. We started hiking in and, um, as we were hiking in, we couldn't see the summit at this point. I'd still never seen the summit of Rainier because it's always shrouded in clouds. So we started up the Cal's Glacier route. It's pretty straightforward. You head out of paradise, go uphill, traverse a little bit around the mountain, follow your way up through the various glaciers and snow fields. The whole time, our visibility was really low. If any of you follow me on social media, you'll know that there's not many pictures from that trip, and the ones that there are, all you can see is gray. It makes sense. Um, what is your handle on Instagram? It's a will underscore in the alpine. And, you know, that makes sense. As I was following the trip, I was, like, very surprised at the lack of pictures. Yep. And that was why. I'm pretty pretty good about taking a lot of photos, but we just kind of kept cruising uphill, and the, we experienced mostly clouds on the first day. We got a few breaks where we could see some of the upper mountain, but we never really got to see the true summit. And we worked our way up towards Camp Hazard. We got to Camp Hazard. There were people coming down or on the way to Camp Hazard, there were people coming down saying that the winds are really bad and no one had really made an attempt to go any higher than Hazard. And so we assumed that'd be a good place for us to camp. Mm -hmm. So we make it up to Camp Hazard. Shout out to the guys over at MSR Gear. Oh, yeah, you guys were set up with gear. Yeah, they set us up with three tents. So we took the um, Advanced Pro 2. The direct access and the front range 
and the front range as well. And the front range is great to have as a cook shelter. We really put it through its paces yeah. up there. <laughs> but um, so everything went well with all the MSR gear. You can follow our reviews on Engearment and check that out and see some of the photos. But we just hung out in camp all day and um, went to sleep fairly early, woke up to a loud crack, got out of the tent, looked, started looking around, surveying around us. And they do call it Camp Hazard for a reason. And uh, the gully next to us had a Serac fall off about the size of a house. Whoa. And it had exploded in the gully next to us. There's no known routes up that, so we were under the assumptions assumptions that everybody was away from there and everything was okay. But it just kind of woke us up to how real that mountain is. Mm-hmm. It's the most glaciated peak in the lower 48, and it is, even only at 14,000 feet, is very much a real mountain. Wow. So... uh we went to sleep. I was in a Thermarest 32 degree bag. Oh, the one pound 900 fill? Yeah, one <laughs> pound 900 fill is spoiled rotten. That is the best sleeping bag I've taken into the Alpine so far. But um, also, my body runs hot, so take mm-hmm. that with a grain of salt. Totally. Um, but I slept in that bag, woke up at, uh, I believe we got up at 1 a.m. for our push, for our summit push, and it was fairly warm. And trending with normal weather it only gets warmer as it gets later in the day unless Mm -hmm. you're on rainier (laughs) (laughs) then what happens so um we decided from camp hazard it kind of gets real after that you you get into some very glaciated terrain a couple pitches of ice just typical mountaineering stuff nothing too crazy in perfect conditions but in bad conditions it can get hairy quick so we make our way into the ice chutes the calc ice chutes and as we do, uh, we're simul climbing quite a bit. And that's just all of us are climbing at the same time with a rope between us. We're not really placing any protection. We're all really comfortable in this terrain. And as we move into some more vertical ice, we decide that we're going to pitch it out. So at that point, um, I've never even seen this mountain, and I decided to take the lead. Wow. And um, so I, I led about 150-foot pitch of waterfall ice. And as I got up to the top of it, I built my anchor, started belaying um, Dave up. And as I started belaying Dave up, it starts to snow. And I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. It's snowing in July. Like, this is rad. Like, I can still see the lights of the city. At this point, you know, we think that the storm had kind of cleared off, that it shrouded the mountain from the days prior. And um, I'm just kind of laughing about it. Dave comes up, and we belay Brian up, and we transition back to simul climbing. We get above the top of the ice chutes, decide to sit down and take a break, and the storm moves in. Mm. We got into a pretty nasty blizzard. Um, All in all, it only dropped about six inches of snow, but six inches of heavy, wet snow in July is quite a bit. And uh, we started moving. We kind of made the call, like, yeah, we're going to keep going. We're all pretty solid. Got a good handle on the GPS. Dave had been on this route before, so we just thought it would be a good idea to keep moving until something else more severe told us otherwise. So we kept moving up, navigating through the glaciers. Everything's going quite smoothly, but it is frigid cold. We left camp. It was warm, so we left our extra base layers at camp. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lesson learned there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but we continued upwards. Uh, shout out to the guys at Himali. I was using a lot of their jackets. Stayed nice and warm. 
and um, we continued our way towards the summit. We got about 300 feet below the summit. Um, it's just pure whiteout. And it was, with it being light, it's what they call flat light. So you can't see the difference between the ground and the sky. Everything is just as white as can be. It's just everything's white. You can literally be falling downhill and not notice it. Yep. So we ended up walking in circles once or twice, trying to find <laughs> the exact summit. But uh, we found our way to the summit and um, stood on top, and it was an amazing feeling. Um, I have to get back up there because I still haven't seen what the view off the top looks like. So I could see about, we had a visibility of about 15 to 20 feet. Wow. And uh, so even on our rope team, if you looked back, you a lot of times we couldn't see the third person on the rope. That's crazy. But it was uh, quite the adventure. We summited two hours later than planned, but well before our turnaround time. And at that point, we decided, you know, going down is definitely going to be more difficult. It's continuing to snow. All this is going on. I don't know if any if anyone that's listening has been up in the Pacific Northwest. They know about rime ice. And we had half an inch to an inch of rime ice built up on our bodies at all times. And we're consistently breaking it off because it's just weighing us down. It's like wearing a suit of armor. Can you explain to the people who might not know what rime ice is? So rime ice is moisture particles in the air that are, you know, very wet environments, high humidity, but it's below freezing. So as these moisture particles are in the air and they're moving around with the wind, whenever they hit something, they freeze to it and stick. Oh, wow. So it makes, um, if you've ever seen pictures on big mountains, you'll see it looks like flags of snow coming off of like rocks or radio antennas and stuff. That's rime ice. Okay. And the... One of the pictures I saw, you guys were covered. It looked like in a sheet of ice each. Yeah, Those yeah, it was. Ice. It's like carrying an extra forty pounds around. Oh, yeah, and sweat. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so it uh, it was a constant battle of breaking that stuff off of us. We started heading down, and as we're heading down, um, we're having some glitches with the GPS, and we get cliffed out over some crevasses and some seracs, and ended up trying to navigate through a Serac field where we down climbed a little bit of probably what would be equivalent to Alpine ice too, um, which is, is a fairly easy grade, but when you're down climbing that above crevasses and stuff, it can be a little nerve wracking at the end of the day. I we, can't imagine. So we move through that terrain and find our way back. Um, if you have to think there's no one else on the mountain, we were the only people that made a summit push that day. And, um, so, and there's no trail to follow anything that we had made on the way in was getting buried. As soon as our foots came out of the footprints, it was already buried in snow. So as all this is going on, the recent snowfall, like I said, we only ended up with about six inches of snowfall, but we knew if we got upwards at eight to 10, we were going to start seeing some avalanche risk as well, uh, as the snow wasn't bonding very well. So we, um, we're keeping all this in our minds, you know, it's just this complex critical decision-making matrix that is consistently running in my head and my partner's heads as well about what's going to work and what's not. And so we finally make our way to the top of um, the Calts ice chutes headed back down. And that was like a big sigh of relief because we knew that camp wasn't far from there. And um, that went fairly smooth. We were able to get a V-thread in for rappels, and uh, we rappelled the ice chutes and made our way back to camp, took a 30-minute nap, like, all right, let's go home. That did not go as planned. Well, it kind of did. But it just, as soon as we started breaking down camp, it started pouring down rain. Oh. So it rained the whole way out to Paradise, which is the trailhead for Rainier. But um, 
if any of you have ever been to Rainier, you know, paradise is awesome because there's a full restaurant and bar there, (laughs) (laughs) no cell service, but who needs that? You can just sit there and drink and enjoy it. But it was, you know, it was a great first trip up Rainier, a successful summit. And the rest of our trip was kind of shrouded in rain. Wow. That is an incredible adventurous story. That was fun. Yeah, sounds like fun. Typical Will Coleman fun right there. Type two. Type two. You are the man in type two adventure. Well, I'm really glad that uh, you and Dave and Brian uh, summited safely amidst all the crazy stuff in Camp Hazard. And, um, yeah, Flatlight. I, you know, I hate Flatlight. It's so disorienting. I can't imagine being in the conditions you guys were in and facing that stuff. You actually got excited to see a crevasse because it was something that wasn't white. Right, yeah. There's context there. Wow, absolutely incredible. Well, uh, thank you for also mentioning what gear you're using. That's is very helpful for the readers. And Will's done a great job writing up uh, detailed write-ups on those tents and the sleeping bag and the cookware he used. So uh, you can be like Will, at least in gear-wise, on engearment.com. And then, of course, Somali makes really good clothing, and you're probably using the down jacket, I imagine. Yeah, I was using their original uh, Hamali Alto Cumulus jacket. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really stoked and getting ready to write a review on it. And they called me and said, hey, we have the 2.0 ready. Oh, nice. <laughs> that was awesome. So I got the new 2.0, and there's a full review about to come out in the next day or two on that. It'll probably be out when this podcast is out. Oh, perfect. Is this the same jacket they have on the Kickstarter currently? Yes, currently it's on Kickstarter. It's, um, I think it fulfilled, but I think they're still letting it run. Cool. It's a really great deal. I believe they have it at 199 It's an 850 fill um, certified RDS down. Oh yeah. Pertex quantum shell. Just uh, the original out cumulus was great, but this is just a step above. Sweet. And you actually use it in the conditions that it's intended for restless, which use it for outdoors. Correct. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So that, that was a, an adventurous trip. Um, yeah. And there was, so we did have a, uh, one more peak that we went for on that trip. We actually had two more planned. The first one was the Ultra Classic Forbidden Peak. It's in the 50 Classic Climbs. We were going for the Classic Route, which is the West Ridge. Um, So from Rainier, we got back to the car, drove to the bar, had a drink, had some food, decompressed, and then drove straight to the North Cascades, straight through. Oh, wow. Showed up at 3 a.m., Went to sleep, woke up the next morning, got everything out of the van and hung it in the trees to dry. And as it's drying, we start pulling weather forecast and it doesn't look good. More wet. But you know what they say, where there's a will, there's a way. So we're going to try. <laughs> and you're always a will with you. <laughs> so uh, we decided to pack up our bags, ultra light. We took just the front range tent to sleep all three of us. Oh, wow. Up in Boston Basin, which sits at Treeline. And um, we camped at Treeline. Got up there, tried to get our eyes on Forbidden Peak. The peak sits over the top of Boston Basin, and we never saw it. So we were directly looking through the mist at it and alternate periods of pouring down rain, and uh, we decided that we did not want to climb it in those conditions. We wanted it to be an enjoyable, memorable climb. Mm -hmm. So after a lot of thought, we went to sleep, and we're hoping for a 3 a.m. start the next day. Woke up at 3 a.m. and it was pouring down rain again. Mm. Front range tent still kept us dry, which I was super stoked on because it's yeah. very wet in the Cascades. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I do recommend if anyone's ever going out there, just get up into Boston Basin, even if you're not climbing, if you're just backpacking or whatever. It's the most beautiful place on earth. 
that's cool. I'll, I'll look into that. Definitely enjoy hiking. I enjoy uh, Washington State. Wow. What a trip, man. What a trip. It was an amazing trip with solid partners. Couldn't ask for much more. That's awesome. I'm glad you pulled that off because um, that was preceding a very major surgery for yourself. That's right. Uh, it's kind of like a bucket list trip. And mm-hmm. if anyone knows me personally, you know that I have a heart condition. Well, had a heart condition. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Wolf Parkinson White. I had an extra pathway in my heart that allowed too much electricity to flow into my lower ventricles, which caused a heart attack a couple of years ago. That was still questionable until I had the surgery, had the surgery. It was successful. And, um, the only issues I have with my heart now is ischemia, which is tissue death from the heart attack. So other than that, I'm good to go can push it hard. No more bucket listing, trying to shove everything in, in the last, you know, two days before surgery. Yeah. Oh, that was a whirlwind of a time, man. It was. And modern medicine is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad that went well. Um, that was a very big, uh, benefit for you. It's like will 2.0 now. Yeah. That's what I keep saying. <laughs> nice. Well, awesome. And then after the heart surgery, you started working with a uh, summit essence uh, international, right? I actually started before the Rainier trip. Was it yeah. before? Okay. But uh, we started rocking and rolling, getting busy after that. Cool. And that's run by Scott? Yeah, it's run by Scott Halpenny. He's a great guy. He's got his heart in it and his head in it for sure. He's. Uh, I think he's going to change the game when it comes to guiding. Nice, nice. You've been keeping busy there, um, offering climbing needs throughout the front range? Yeah, so we do all sorts of pretty much anything climbing, we will do it. And um we have permits for several areas. We can pretty much take you from Colorado Springs up through Jefferson County and Clear Creek County and Boulder County, and we're consistently applying and acquiring more permits. Oh, fun. Very cool. And this winter, we will be moving, hopefully, into avalanche education and guided skiing. Wow. That's that's great. I was wondering what you guys are going to do in the winter. We're still waiting on permits, but if it pulls through, that's where we'll be. That's wonderful to hear. And as a, as a split boarder and uh, as a friend of Will, he's one of probably the top two people I'd ever choose to be in the backcountry with for split boarding or skiing, so you'd be in good hands. Um, speaking of split boarding, Will happens to be the poster boy for Weston. <laughs> I would not say poster boy. <laughs> well, I think you're the cover model. How's that? I show up in jorts. <laughs> yes, alpine jorts at that. So, yeah, Will is uh, beats to his own drum, which is great. Uh, he does wear his alpine jorts. He looks good in them. And um, recently he was uh, over at Weston in their new split boards. What is uh, getting you most excited about the Weston split boards right now? I love everything Weston is doing. They've got a great new lineup for this year. Each year they're adding more products. But the crazy thing about it is like they listen. They listen to our team riders. They mm-hmm. listen to their consumers. And they take all this into consideration. And one of my biggest concerns and a lot of people's biggest concerns is we don't have enough women in the backcountry. Agreed. I mean, we have so many women that go ride resort and they crush on skis and snowboards and they're doing amazing things. Like, how come you don't ride in the backcountry? And they're like, well, no one really makes like a split board for me. Mm -hmm. No one makes one that I like. So Weston is working on that. And um, they're trying to really put in the R&D to make... Good women's split boards. Oh, good. I know we have a two, at least two, maybe three female 
splitboarders on our engagement team. And it has been so hard to find appropriate female splitboards, not just like, you know, a tiny splitboard, but like a woman specific splitboard. That's correct. And not just a splitboard, like splitboards for different riding mm-hmm. styles. So Weston has already been offering the Riva, mm-hmm. which is a solid women's splitboard. It's great. Um, and it covers a lot of riding types, but this year they added a new one called the Rise. And it's at the rise is really cool because it's really playful. It's kind of like, um, well, it's a directional twin. It's got um, carbon. Ah, sorry. It's all Who's good. Going? <laughs> it's got a carbon top sheet, centered base. It's double edged side cut, and it's got the wood core still. So you still get that nice responsiveness. Um, this this is a great like all mountain free ride board. Like if you wanna. It's kind of like I'm really big about quiver killers, like mm-hmm. a one board wonder, but that that's kind of what it is. That's cool. You, you know, it's been over two years since I've uh, tested at a Western board, and correct me if I'm wrong, but are all their boards the same profile, meaning flat to to rise, like to rocker? They change it up a little bit, but mm-hmm. they, a lot of them do have that same style. Okay, and uh, things are getting a little. Eh. If you, this year's lineup is great. Next year's is even better. Nice. I like that. But it's, um, I mean, it's kind of, if you're familiar with Weston boards, I would say like the Riva was kind of like a nice all around like powderish board, mm-hmm. but the rise is like the range through Weston. So it's like a free ride masterpiece. Perfect. And I know that's uh that's Pat's favorite board too, right? Range. The range is Pat's favorite. That's my favorite. That's mm-hmm. what I ride primarily. Um, on super good powder days, I'll get on the back or on the backwoods back, yeah. or the Japal, which is awesome. Comes out in a split this year oh, too. So excited. I never talked with Ben like two years ago about weighting it correctly and how complicated the process that can be with split boarding creation. So they put several years into the design yeah. of the Japal. That's uh, going to be one of my favorites this season. Sweet. I, I have hands-on experience with the backwoods. I enjoy it quite a bit, but I really want to try that Japal. Definitely. For sure. Well, that's exciting. And, uh, we, you know, Weston's a Colorado company. We uh, A lot of great team riders, too. Um, who else is on the team besides you? I know. This is a trick question. There's so many good ones. <laughs> There's a lot of amazing riders on the team. I believe we're at, like, 41 or so team riders. 41 team riders? I won't ask you to list them then. That's crazy. I will shout out Rafael Pease. Yeah, He's brother. doing a lot of great stuff. Uh, they're working on a nice documentary down in Chile right now. Mm-hmm. And I'll shout out Josh Jesperson. Mm-hmm. Guy's an animal. Uh, if you guys follow him on Instagram, he's a little rowdy, but he throws down hard. He's a, a retired Navy SEAL as well, right? That's correct. That's yeah, badass. he's a ex-SEAL and just an all-around amazing dude. And then I'll shout out Brian Steenerson, too. If you watch him on the Free Ride World Tour, he throws down really hard. Nice. And then I got to shout out some of the ladies. <laughs> Please. Carly Fink, Izzy Lazarus, Sarah Schwartz, all absolute crushers. And for you ladies out there, follow them all on Instagram. They're pretty easy to find. Awesome. Good shout-outs. And, yeah, I don't know if I, if I told you, but Raphael sent me an inReach last week from a secret location down south. So it was a good message to get. That's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's working his butt off down there. That documentary is going to be really, really awesome. So, well, I'm excited about you and your collaborations with such great companies, Hamali S. SAI and Weston, and of course, Engearment. Love having you on the team, Will. Love being a part of it. It's a lot of fun, man. You get to do some fun stuff. You're covering so much territory. Um, you'll have a, uh, some reviews up next week. Uh, so just check in on Engearment.com to see what Will's up to and what gear he's really digging. Of course, he has the MSR review up for the 
three tents he mentioned, uh, Thermarest, one pound, 900 fill sleeping bag, cookware. Hyperion. Hyperion, yes. That's the name. That's the one. It is one pound. It's crazy. And then Hoka Shoes. He is a avid runner as well. Um, well, speaking of, it is almost, well, just turned fall, so that means it's almost winter next week. So what are you looking forward to for this winter? Getting after it hard. Yes. You're fully cleared now, man. Yep. With this medical clearance, I can pretty much, I've got a lot of stuff in the works. I'll put it at that. Nice. A lot of big goals. Um, it's going to be great to have um, just good partners this season. I have a lot more free schedule now that I'm guiding. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll be running splitboard guiding this season. That's the plan. Then, of course, ice climbing, all the parts of mountaineering that I love. Oh, that's awesome. Well, well, I'm very excited to be on the very easy splitboarding missions with you. <laughs> you know me. I'm all about the three hours or less. But, uh, yeah, look up Will. Um, if you're looking for a great partner, a guide, um, all around just great person to be around, uh, Will Coleman. As you mentioned, his handle on Instagram is Will in the Alpine. Correct. It's a lot of fun stuff. He's very active on there. Sometimes he does an engagement takeover, and that's always very entertaining for all of us. And um, he's also into fitness, and so he's been helping me with the Mountain Fitness Program, which um, I'm celebrating one year of, of having that open now. And I'm so excited about it because it's helped – well, Raphael's in the, in the class, Will's in the class. I, I, have, I won't name other people because there's some really awesome people in the class, and they're all enjoying the mountains. And so I want to offer this class to you guys. Retail price is $279. As of this recording, I'm going to make it $97, which is crazy affordable. So it really works. And the science is backed, and it was recently used in a book that's on Amazon – uh, written by the man, the myth, the legend, Pavel himself. So this stuff works, and Will's proof of it, and Raphael, and to a lesser extent, myself. <laughs> so anywho, guys, um, this is just one of many more conversations we're going to have with Will Coleman going through on, hopefully forever, because the guy is super awesome. He's always up to something fun. Love this guy. He works hard. He's got big heart, a big fixed heart now. So much 2. love to you, Will. 2.0. <laughs> Will 2.0 is here, here to serve. I love it. Well, Will, until next time, man, thanks for being on Gamer Show as always. Thanks for having me. Let's get after it. Let's do it, brother. And all you listeners out there, love you for listening. Until next time, take care.